sometimes as we make space to hear other people's stories, we meet the person behind the behaviour. You know, that awkward person in the office that seems to be doing everything wrong. Sometimes leaving space to hear their story helps us to reframe who they are. Some stories are a way of making sense of the world. Life can seem confusing or random, so we fit all the details into a story to help us figure out what's going on. That's useful as long as we're telling beautiful, compassionate, loving stories. But sometimes lazy stories get told that write off other people's experiences with prejudice or stereotypes. That's something my friend Krish Kandaya is out to change. I am Harris III, and on this week's episode of The Story Podcast, we get to listen in on some of Krish's very popular Story 2020 main stage talk. Krish is the founder and director of the adoption and fostering charity Home for Good, and he wants to make sure that the kids in the adoption and foster care systems aren't abandoned to bad stories. There's so much we all can learn from his work as storytellers. He actually has a bunch of great stories of his own, to explain what I mean by this a little bit. Listen in. Now, it was 4.45 on a Friday afternoon, and that's a really dangerous time to answer the phone, particularly when it's Child Protective Services calling. The office is about to close in 15 minutes, and there's a desperate social worker on the end of the phone. Krish, And Miriam, we know you've got a full house, you've got three birth children, and you've got foster kids and adopted kids that live with you, but is there any space that you could take another child with desperate? At this point, my wife has already said yes in her head, has begun to get a bedroom ready. But me, I'm a bit more skeptical. I'm a little bit worried. Well, could you tell me something about this child before we welcome him into our house? To which the social worker says, well, we can't tell you much. All we can tell you is, he's a biter. Biter? That's not what I want to hear. What does he bite? If he bites stuff, well, that's a problem, but we can get over that. There are various teeth marks on our furniture from our cat and other visitors. But if he bites people, well, that's a problem. Where has he been? What's he been exposed to? Is it safe? What what about my other children? And then the other part of my brain kicks in. You know, the ethical, maybe moral, maybe spiritual part of my brain kicks in. And it begins to interrogate this description, biter. That is an inadequate description of a human person. Because you and I, we're more than the worst thing we've ever done. And we're more than the worst thing that's ever been done to us. To describe this boy's entire existence with the word biter is unfair. I believe every single human being is full of value, dignity and worth. That's what I believe. That's a core part of who I am. And if that's a core part of who I am, well, how can I reject this child just because they did one thing wrong? So we welcome this boy into our life. And as we meet him, we get to understand his story. Turns out he's three years old and he's already had eight different families that he's lived with. He's been ping-ponging around the care system. 
and he has speech delay because of all the trauma and change in his life. He can't communicate in the way that he wants to. And so he might just bite just to let the world know that he's there. Sometimes as we make space to hear other people's stories, we meet the person behind the behavior. You know, that awkward person in the office that seems to be doing everything wrong. Sometimes leaving space to hear their story helps us to reframe who they are. Stories allow us to dissolve prejudice by finding out what's really going on. People tend to go with whatever the easiest, most obvious label they can find is. Biter, poor, weird, homeless, idiot, you name it. But that label isn't the real story. Chris's job is to find that real story so that other people can see past the negative boxes these kids get put into and help set them up with families who see who they really are. In fact, as Chris points out, a lot of the stories we all know and love already involve kids who come from difficult backgrounds. I think of two children that came into care because of a domestic violence situation. In fact, it was so bad. Even though they were twins, they had to be separated one from another so their father couldn't find them. One child got adopted into a well-to-do family. And when she grew up, she wanted to give back to society, so she became part of the civil service. The other child, when he grew up, as is so often true for care-experienced young people, ended up joining the military. Maybe he wanted some structure in his life. And he was brilliant in the military. He ended up not just saving his squadron or helping his country or saving his planet. He saved the entire galaxy because this took place a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The story I'm telling you is of Luke and Leia Skywalker. They were care-experienced young people who didn't end in tragedy, but ended in triumph. In fact, our stories, our movies, our books are so full of children from difficult backgrounds ending up as heroes, it's unbelievable. Batman was fostered by his butler. Spider-Man was fostered by his auntie. Superman was adopted. Harry Potter was fostered terribly by the Dursleys. In fact, that's a sub-point. Foster care has always come out badly in movies. That's something we ought to fix. But you've got Frodo Baggins being looked after by his uncle, Anna Green Gables, you name it. Our movies are full of stories of children with traumatic backgrounds, not able to live with their parents, finding alternative care and becoming heroes. Our storytellers recognize that children from difficult backgrounds have developed resilience and superpowers that allow them to make a difference in the world. But that isn't true for the way that our nations or the general public see children in care. Krish says that there are 124,000 kids in the US alone who are ready to be adopted. Many Americans see these kids as a problem but some people can see past the headlines to the real story underneath. Some people see a script ready to be rewritten. And all it takes is someone who's ready for a new story. I remember I was in 10 Downing Street, which is where our prime minister lives. And I, I don't get to go there that often. Uh, I, I'm a nobody. The Downing Street cat has more Twitter followers than I do. It's at Chris K anyway, if you'd like to follow me. 
but I'm in 10 Downing Street because we've pulled together a meeting because we've worked out that black children, like the biter boy we've been looking after, are finding it incredibly difficult to find foster homes or adoptive families for. In fact, black boys wait longer than anyone else. People look at a three-year-old and they say, you know what, he's gonna be a problem when he grows up. When he's a teenager, he'll be into drugs and gangs and girls and knives, and therefore he's someone else's problem. Do you see what they're doing? They're writing the script of this boy's life. They're writing him off at three years old. Friends, as a storyteller, I've got to invite people to write a different kind of script. A script full of hope and opportunity, not of death and destruction. And so in this busy room in 10 Downing Street, that there's two sides to the debate. There's the government defending their position, and there's all these campaigners saying how wrong it is that there's racial disparity. And it's one against the other. And it was my opportunity to tell the story of the biter boy. And as I told the story, two sides found a safe space to meet. They were less worried about defending their position or fighting the opposition. They were suddenly drawn into the world of this three-year-old boy who needed somewhere safe to live. And suddenly in the story, they're drawn to think, what can we do to make a difference? That little boy changed the room, he changed the atmosphere. I believe storytelling can reconfigure difficult situations. It's when we invite people into a story, they begin to bust out of their polarized opposition and find a safe space to collaborate together. Our world, our countries are so divided, our politics are so polarized. Maybe by telling stories, we invite people into a hopeful space to see how we all can play a part to help vulnerable children and other vulnerable people. This is when storytelling becomes more than just a creative exercise, a craft, or even a great way to make a living. This is a reminder that stories can be the difference between hope and despair, change and apathy, and even life and death. Stories are a reminder of the power we all have to change, be changed, and to create change. Sometimes it's as simple as looking past the label, and this is why I love this community, the story community. This is what so many of the storytellers in this community are doing, telling stories that matter, that lead to positive change in the world. You are painting the future in beautiful ways. I can't wait to gather together with you all again this September, both in person and online. Registration opens on June 23rd, and there are only 500 in-person tickets available. So put that date on your calendar. Again, that's June 23rd. That's only 90 days before Story 2021, which is happening on September 23rd and 24th. I hope to see you there. All right, that's it for this episode. I am Harris III. Thanks so much for joining us again this week for the Story Podcast. The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. It is hosted and curated by Harris III and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On Studios. All music for Season 5 of the Story Podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. 
For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com.